0: Once we're in our 30s, 40s, a lot of men are kind of set in the way we see the world. And we tend to hit the limitations of our adolescent exuberance for life. Right, right, right. Life coalesces, it, it condenses, and then there we are. And if we're not thrilled with what we're living, cynicism tends to set in. And so the first step that we help call forth, let's say, is to create an inspired vision create an inspired vision remember when we're to go from cynical to, to shift out of cynicism what we're wanting to experience is to be inspired a lot of men can at the very least speak to the vision the place that they know they want to be right whether they're in a shitty relationship or they don't love their work they're not connected to their purpose i mean even men that are making lots of money can still get caught in cynicism and feel uninspired, have a hard time enjoying what it is they're actually experiencing, can even feel trapped by the experience. Welcome to Men This Way, the podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Do you live with an inspired vision guiding your way? Have you set up accountability to help you achieve what you deeply desire? Are you really even aware of what's in your way of achieving it? On well, this episode, my brilliant guest is again, none other than my lifelong childhood friend and co-facilitator, Tate Arend. And he and I mine these questions and more for useful, wise insights to make a meaningful difference in your life. Today's conversation is an extension of our last episode together, episode 108, in which we talked about the five pillars of a thriving man: purpose, intimacy, family, brotherhood, spirituality. In that episode, we also talked about the five things holding men back from truly thriving in life. Cynicism, isolation, feeling disoriented, feeling numb, and feeling powerless. Now today, we're going to give you some of our secret sauce, the roadmap that we use to help men have what they really want in life. Now, Collectively, Tate and I have over 30 years experience working with men on some of the deepest challenges we men will ever face in life. And we've faced them ourselves. This roadmap is what we've discovered works to help men achieve what they really want in life. And I mean beyond just the material success that often leaves a lot of men feeling, ironically, unfulfilled and empty. What we've discovered men really want is to simply feel fully enlivened every day, to be powerfully on purpose, and to feel deeply supported in our lives so that we don't have to carry all our burdens alone. And in today's episode, we'll share the 10 steps we see as essential that you can apply to essentially any dream or desire you have, whether it's to start a business, grow a business, or simply have a great relationship, or just feel great every day, no matter what is going on around you. These 10 steps are the essential recipe for achieving and having whatever you want. Now, I know 10 steps may sound like a lie, like what happened to the three-point plan or the five-step process or... You know, maximum seven steps, please. Well, sure, there's lots of maps out there that challenge you to dream big and act big. But what I like about our roadmap is that as you walk these 10 steps, in addition to getting clarity around your vision and taking meaningful action and all that important stuff, our journey also brings you face to face with the things that are holding you back. The wounds, the blind spots that live in your shadow the resistance that is sabotaging you and possibly the ones you love too. It requires you to be honest with yourself about where you may be lacking in skill or insight and to get accountability and powerful support with people, mentors, guides, fellow journeymen who can actually help you get where you aim to go. So while there's lots of you know conveniently three-step plans out there, our roadmap effectively brings you face-to-face with yourself for you are both your greatest ally and your greatest adversary. Now, that's all I'll say about it for now. Tate and I dive deeper in today's episode on how to be fully enlivened, powerfully on purpose, and feel deeply supported. Now, speaking of which, at the time of this recording, I only have four spots left for my Elevate 2024 coaching adventure for men committed to thriving in life. If you have any curiosity about what it might look like to journey alongside a small group of trustable, inspired men, including myself, I strongly encourage you to learn more about and if you dare, apply for Elevate 2024. I only invite 10 men to go through this year with me, and six spots are now taken. We might even be seven taken by the end of the day. So if you're ready to rise above the distractions and compulsions sabotaging you from living your fullness as a man, if you're done trying to lone wolf it through life, bearing all your burdens alone, if you're ready for a big breakthrough in your relationship or around getting clarity about your deepest purpose or just overcoming some persistent challenges in your life that have you feeling stuck and unfulfilled then Elevate to 2024 may be perfect for you. It includes personal coaching with me alongside a select group of trustable men, and we'll meet in person for a five-day retreat at a beautiful place in the mountains of Western North Carolina. Through this year-long experience, these men and I will become your brothers for life. Learn more and apply at brianreeves.com elevate. It's Brian with a Y reeves.com slash elevate. Now back to my conversation with Tate Aaron. Now we drop all kinds of wisdom nuggets and insights and f- some practices that could be life-changing. So take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of Men This Way. All right, let's dive. Tate Aaron, my brother, welcome back to Men This Way. Good to see you, man. How you feeling today? Mm-hmm it's uh it's great to be back i am how am i doing today i'm tired and excited that's how i'm doing yeah i'm tired too man we're both carrying a lot at the moment as we round the corner into the the end of the year and uh, you just shared with me you're about to do a date with destiny yeah start friday the tony robbins extravaganza uh be honest with us man are you looking forward to it? <laughs> I'm not.
1: This is the, you know, the story of my life is that I'm not usually excited. Kyle Eschenroder has this great saying, which is essentially, I'm not interested in the party until I'm there. I'm not interested in sex until I'm having it. I'm not interested in
0: date with destiny <laughs> until I'm in it. Some version of that anyway. Dude, I've shared this a lot with the men we work with, how every men's group I've ever been in. I've been to, I don't know, hundreds, countless men's groups, men's meetings. I pretty much never want to go to any of them ever. <laughs> it feels so good to not
1: be alone in that, right? It feels Ever. So
0: good I never, but I'm always glad I went. Always, without fail. I don't remember one time I wasn't glad that I went, but I'm not sure I quite remember one time that I was looking forward to going. <laughs>
1: right, right. What is that? What is that? We're weird.
0: No doubt. Well, Tate you know you're going to be on this podcast more next year as we we shift gears a bit in and how i do this podcast and i'm really excited for uh the future of this show but you've already been on what three times i think this is maybe your fourth appearance and One of our listeners actually reached out to us and said, you know, they've heard you a few times and said that they want to know more about your background, about who you are as well. And I realized like, I've known you for 40 years, man, 40 year friendship. Like it's interesting. I wonder if that's just a little bit of a blind spot I've had. And like, I already know who you are. Everyone should know who you are and you're amazing. Just, let's just do our thing. And anyway, so I want to take just a few minutes to give people some more insight into who you are. And so I'll start with the question that I ask a lot of my guests, and and that is, please share with us a significant event or experience from your early life that helped shape you as a man.
1: Yeah, it's such a good question. And it's so hard to really pinpoint. But as you ask that question, I, I think about probably the most pivotal moment of my childhood. Really. There's been so many pivotal moments in my life, but the most pivotal moment in my childhood, I was five years old and I didn't have a bike that I fit anymore. I was kind of in between two bikes and my sister had an extra bike and it was one of those, this was 1979. Right. So Mm -hmm. I was five years old. It was one of these banana seat bikes had (laughs) these blue flowers uh, on the seat brings me back to stranger things. So I borrowed my sister's bike. We went out and my dad was working in the garden and uh, we went out and told my dad a lie, which is that, you know, mama always lets us ride our bikes on the street right next to ours, farm pond lane. You know, can we go over there? And he was like, well, of course. Yeah, sure. If mom lets you do it. She was at work. He was, uh, had a, had a day off. And so my sister and I rode over there and had this big, gigantic hill up at the top. And my sister and I decided to race each other down the hill. and. All I remember from that was getting maybe halfway down and this blurriness coming into my view and blacking out. Because what ended up happening is I was racing down the hill and didn't stop. And a car was driving by and my bike with me on it came down the hill and smashed into the side of the moving car. I flew over the handlebars. My face hit the side of uh, the car. And I was knocked out and my face was ripped open and everything that I'm about to tell you was really stories told to me because I have very little recollection whatsoever. But my sister had to drag me out of the road with my face gaping open. My She ran back. There were some neighbors that came out. She ran back to get my dad they ran over there and the ambulance came and the story is that they strapped me down to take me to the hospital. And I had such a fight in me that I sat up through the straps and they had to strap me down again. And they took me to the hospital. And my dad said that he went into the local, it was a hospital in Howard County. And um, that nurses were walking out of the emergency room where I was very distraught, you know, a five-year-old boy, hurt the way that I was and they didn't have what they needed to take care of me there so they flew in a helicopter from Johns Hopkins Children's Center they flew me to the local hospital and I was there for two or three weeks had a, a bunch of different procedures I remember not being able to see when I woke up my face was so swollen shut that I couldn't see and I remember screaming for my my parents and you know 5 years old they had to do a number of facial reconstructive surgeries and I, I had to go back to the hospital a number of times. And one of the things that I, th- there is one procedure that I remember entirely, which is that I had to go back. They had to, I believe, put steroids in my face to help rebuild my face. And I was given a choice at the age of five about whether or not to have two big shots in my face (laughs) or 10 small shots in my face. And I, I chose the 10 small ones. And (laughs) as I think back on that moment, you know, I think about what was the impact of ultimately those experiences. Well, the first lesson that I got from that, because as I would go and tell the story, because people, I I had a huge scar on my face. It's less easy to see now because I have so many more wrinkles at, at 49, but As I would recount and tell the story, people would make fun of me because I had flowers on the the banana seed bike. And so one of the decisions that I made in that moment was to never allow myself to, one, tell that story and also to be linked with this idea of being somehow feminine or being connected with a girl's bike. So that was the first thing as a five-year-old. And then as I grew up to, to really distance myself from anything feminine connected to me, that it wasn't safe, at least for me to talk about that. The, the second thing that I really started to realize is that because people would start calling me Scarface, you know, and at the time I can wear that more as a badge of courage, but I really made the decision that my appearance really mattered, that looking good rather than being good was more important. And then, of course, just the trauma of that moment. My, my mom says that I was never the same from that experience, that I have oftentimes a hair trigger for big emotions. Now I may have had big emotions prior to that. I I don't know, but as my mom tells the story, it was that moment was a, a moment that really changed my life and my emotions, my ability to be able to regulate myself very well. And then the other was that there was this clarity of a pattern that set in my life where if I was given the option of having 10 shots or two big ones, I would take the more traumatic experience of needing 10 different negative things to happen f- before I would realize <laughs> that, that I needed to change di- yeah. uh, directions in my life. But that, that certainly was the most pivotal moment because I had the scar on my face. I had to, as I started to be attracted to girls, I would pretend like I was smiling and happy all the time. Cause I didn't want them to see the, the scar on my face. And it, that was a moment where it changed everything for me.
0: Wow. I'm wondering, did that banana seat, that flower banana seat bike, did that ever become a big wheel in your telling of that story? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe it's possible. Why do you have a memory of that? My memory of that story is you were on a big wheel. (laughs) (laughs) See, See? Yeah, exactly. Even to you, maybe I just
1: want to own the fact that I was on a banana seat bike with flowers.
0: Yeah. You haven't told me that story. We haven't talked about it in a long time, but I recall it being a big wheel, which is, you know, to a five-year-old is way cooler and more manly a big wheel than a banana seat wow man that's profound yeah i was laughing as you're telling the the 10 needle versus two needle story because you've told me that before and and uh yeah such a great teaching inside of that now one of the great gifts that you've brought to the work that we do together specifically with men is in the realm of addiction because you know I, i have more limited experience in terms of actual you know twelve step programs, and I don't tend to have an a, what we might call addictive personality. I don't necessarily even know what that means, but I certainly have my own addictions, but I'm curious, would you share with our listeners a bit about your background with addiction and how you see your experience reflected in many of the men that we work with? Yeah, yeah. so my mother's father passed away from
1: cirrhosis. Uh, of the liver. He essentially drank himself to death. And then the impact that had on my mother, you know, one of the things that people in recovery programs talk often about is that addiction acts like a tornado in the lives of the people that are impacted. It, It doesn't just act like a tornado in the life of the person who's the addict. It acts like a tornado in the lives of everybody who loves them. And for my mom, who was so she was an only child, she was very close to her parents, um, but her father's addiction had a had a real impact, I think, on her emotionally. And then, you know, growing up, I often wondered and struggled with the amount that my dad drank. And later in life, I actually joined a 12 step recovery program of Al-Anon, which is for fa- family and friends of alcoholics. Cause I was dating a girl who was five years sober at the time. And she thought it might be helpful for me. And I joined that program. And, and then in my gosh, how old was I in my late twenties or uh, mid to late twenties, I realized that I had a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol and, and other things. And You know, I'm the kind of guy, it's reminiscent back to the 10 shots versus two. Historically, I have to be very thoughtful about the way that I talk about this because I'm not somebody who will go around and say, I'm Tate and I'm an alcoholic. I don't think that those labels are often. They were helpful for me at a time to, to be clear about what was helpful for me to, to ensure that I didn't go back to drinking and, and using other substances again. But I have to be really thoughtful about that. But I'm a guy who have, has historically been all or nothing. If I'm going to do something a little bit, you might as well just go all in on it or just do nothing at all. And it's better that I abstain from that because if I start with one, I will be at 10 before you know it. And that's in every aspect of my life. I will eat the spiciest foods that I can possibly find because I love intense feelings. I love intense emotions, but they don't often serve me. And so the story of my life was I drank too much. And then when I stopped drinking, I started smoking. And then when I stopped smoking, I I would gamble a little bit. And by a little bit, I mean a lot. And then, you know, it's like I have this tendency that if I'm not getting filled up, um, if I don't have a, a level of peace in my life, I will seek out to find something to stimulate me. And that stimulation because I have a hard time regulating little and a lot, I go to an extreme. And next thing you know, I'm in an unhealthy place with it. And you could probably insert just about anything that, that men have tried. And I'm, have delved into that world in ways that hasn't been entirely helpful. And where I believe that is relevant for the men that we work with to the point that you were making. I think most men, we talked in our last episode about how one of the things that will hold us back as men to really stepping into lives that we want is the ways in which we have a tendency to numb out. And I do believe that every man has something that he uses to numb out. And sometimes that's alcohol and drugs. And sometimes that's pornography and sometimes that's work. And sometimes that's, you know, fantasy football teams or, or whatever it is. And none of those things, by the way, are bad and wrong. But when I use those to an extreme or when Other men use those to an extreme and they are using that to numb out in their life. It disconnects them from everything that matters to them most, their family, their friends, their purpose in the world. And so I do think that when men come in and I I think the way that I'm able to really see into some of their struggles, because I've been all in on those things, too. I think it just helps sometimes men to know that they're not alone in that and that there is a pathway out of numbing their life so that they can really step into something that matters to them.
0: Yeah. And you've been sober how long now? It will be 21 years in January. Wow, man, 21 years. And I know on that journey, you've also mentored so many people.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's cliche, but it's true that when our mess can turn into our message, we turn our traumas into purpose. And I think that anybody who's ever struggled with anything, when they can utilize that to be of service to somebody else, then it gives it a greater meaning than it didn't happen for nothing. And I do believe that this is an opportunity for every man who's struggled with anything is that when they can overcome it and be of service through it, that their life begins to matter a little bit more.
0: Yeah, man, I've seen you stepping into this kind of work that we do now. I've seen it for a long time, and I, I said this in the previous podcast. I'll say it again. I'll say it in the future, man. It's such a privilege. It's a delight to watch you really shine in this area and take all the messiness that you've been through and experienced, and in some ways still are, and use that in service to the men that that we get to work with today. I mean, I can certainly relate to that in the relationship realm you know that's where a lot of my work has come from just making a mess out of love for decades and now not that i do it perfectly cleanly or i've necessarily mastered anything but being able to turn around and and share the gifts and the insights and the practices of that journey with other men is it's profound yeah and so let's dive in today to the subject of you know, what we're going to do today is we want to reveal a map that we use the map to being fully enlivened, powerfully on purpose and feeling deeply supported as a man. Now, in, in our last episode, which was not the very last episode, but it was the one before is episode 108, I believe we talked about the five things that hold men back eight. Hey, can you summarize those for us?
1: Yeah. You know, we talked about. The notion that wherever we are now and where we want to be in the future, there are five things that can help lead to greater resistance inside of us. And The first thing is the cynicism that we carry with us that ultimately lets us believe or tells us time and again that what we hope for in the future is not possible because, because we have cynicism and and negativity and we have lost hope for things being able to change. And we ultimately believe that most it's most likely that our future is gonna be exactly what our lives are today. So that cynicism can hold us back. The second thing that can really hold us back is being isolated, just lone wolfing it through our life as men and not surrounding ourselves with people who genuinely have our back. So if we isolate as men and we lone wolf it, that will hold us back. The third thing is what I was just kind of speaking to in my own experience. If we are spending a lot of our time and energy numbing out, scrolling on our phones, being addicted to social media or whatever we use as men to, to help us just not have to feel the pain of our life that will actually hold us back. The fourth thing is if we are disoriented, we don't have clarity about what we're doing and where we're going, that will hold us back. And then the last thing is if we do know where we're going, but we don't feel like we have the power to do anything about it, if we don't have the discipline that we want to actually take action in ways that sustain our growth and development and sustain our ability to step into what we want, if we are living inside of a belief that we're powerless to change things, that will hold us back. So those are the five things, cynicism, isolation, numbing out, being disoriented, and feeling powerless.
0: And I think we did talk about this in the episode. I I can't remember at this moment, but just really quickly the, let's say the solutions to each of those five things, right? from cynicism we need to figure out how to get inspired to have an inspired vision for our lives to to come from a place of inspiration right to like to breathe spirit inspire it back into our lives so that we feel good we're excited about the day we're excited about possibilities right that's the opposite of cynicism to go from being isolated the isolation that so many of us men are so practiced at we need to figure out how to get deeply supported In the people in the world around us to go from feeling what I like to call disoriented, right? What I mean by disoriented, as you shared earlier, Tate is just, we're just really oriented around things that don't matter. So we need to get oriented around things that actually matter to us, have direction that matters, that is meaningful to us. And from numbness, what we say is we need to learn how to actually be present. You know, the opposite of numbness is not necessarily just, um, feeling good. The opposite of numbness is feeling everything that is there to be felt, right? Being fully alive in our experience, which is also the stuff we tend to not want to feel, you know, the anger, the frustration, but coming present into the moment, what we're experiencing, that is the opposite of numbness. And then of course, from powerless, we need to learn how to be powerful how to reconnect with our power. And I think a massive challenge for so many men in the world today is we don't know where to put our power. many of the places that we traditionally would have exercised power, it either doesn't really serve to be powerful in those same ways, like controlling women's bodies, uh, you know, telling women what to do or wrecking the environment just because we can, you know, for the sake of creating products or exploitation, or just, again, we don't know where to put our power to use our warrior energy. And so, uh, many of us just feel powerless and, or we put our power into places that don't fucking serve the world or anybody. So, okay. Now we are going to talk about our map for helping men actually overcome those five challenges to step into those five things to being supported, oriented, inspired, present, and powerful, and. You and I've worked on this extensively. I mean, we've been up to this just you and I together banging our heads together working with <laughs> men, you know, yeah. suffering for a vision as the Native Americans would often talk about vision quests, like suffering for a vision. We have suffered. We have worked so hard. And really, you know, we've been trying to figure out what are we doing, you and I, at least the past couple of years. We know we're doing something powerful. Men are coming alive inside of this experience. They are being enlivened. They are becoming, you know, stepping into Deep, powerful purpose. And this, and they are feeling deeply supported in ways that many of these men haven't felt in a lifetime. So I'm excited to share this is our secret sauce about our 10-step journey for how we've been leading men. And we've been doing a lot of this intuitively based on just you and I have extensive background in leadership training and just the study of human behavior and human potential. So It's been fun to, to sort of codify this in an actual structure. This is what we've been doing. This is the journey we take men on. It's born out of this conversation that you and I have had, which is traditionally
1: what we have as men is the age old strategy of winging it. And that winging it when we're winging it, sometimes we're hitting the mark and many times we're not. And so the conversation that we started having, I guess, two episodes around and to bring men into the world that most of us men have not had the experience of other men having our backs and guiding us and being elders to us. And so we paint our faces pretending like we know what we're doing in the world and not because we don't want to do better. We don't know how to do better. So we wing it. And then we start creating a trail of tears for ourselves and for the people who love us the most. And so this was our response to trying to help men stop winging it and to have clarity of action so that they could develop what we believe is essential skills so that they can move into a world in, in which they're fully alive and powerfully on purpose and deeply supported and have a clarity about what are the essential skills that they need to learn in order for them at any given time to know exactly what they need to do next.
0: You're listening to Men This Way. I'm your host, Brian Reeves. I trust you're feeling inspired by this conversation. And I wanna cut in real quick and let you know that Elevate 2024, my year-long coaching journey for men committed to thriving in every domain of life, is now open for enrollment. I'm only inviting 10 men to go through all of 2024 with me, personally, on this adventure of a lifetime. Now, who's this for? It's for you if you have achieved some level of success, yet still feel unfulfilled or you're just seeking a greater level of fulfillment than you now have. This is for you if you're committed to rising above the distractions and compulsions that are sabotaging you from living your fullness as a man. If you're genuinely done trying to lone wolf it through life, bear all your burdens alone, this adventure is for you. If you're stuck in some critical area and ready for a breakthrough, or you know you need to be challenged and supported by other men to help move you along on the journey of becoming the man you were born to be, this is for you. I mean, essentially, if you're genuinely committed to thriving in your life, this is for you. Elevate 2024 includes personal coaching with me throughout the entire year and alongside a select group of trustable men going through this experience with you. We'll also meet in person for a five-day retreat midway through in a beautiful spot in nature. Through this experience, these men and I will become your brothers for life. You will be challenged to go beyond your comfort zone, and you will be celebrated when you succeed and even when you fail, but you did the thing you were afraid to do. Because this experience isn't just about making more money or gaining status or achieving more of anything, which often just leads to still feeling that painful, empty void that haunts us men. No, it's about you stepping more deeply into your courageously authentic self, more fully offering your gifts to your loved ones, to your family, your community, and to the world, whatever that looks like for you. If this intrigues you, get the details, and if you dare, apply at brianreeves.com elevate. Now this isn't for everyone, but if you have an inkling it might be for you, apply now. Just take the next step. This could be one of the greatest gifts you ever give yourself. The gift of brotherhood with extraordinary men on an extraordinary adventure in 2024. Go to brianreeves.com slash elevate. That's Brian with a Y reeves.com slash elevate for details and to apply. All right, let's pick up where we left off with today's guest on men this way. And so we're going to start this journey. We could probably start in a few different places, but we're going to start this journey in the land of cynicism because you know, once, once we're in our thirties, forties, a lot of men are kind of set in the way we see the world and we tend to hit the limitations of our adolescent exuberance for life right right, right. right? life coalesces it, it condenses and then there we are and if we're not thrilled with what we're living cynicism tends to set in and so the first step that we help call forth let's say is to create an inspired vision create an inspired vision remember when we're to go from cynical To to shift out of cynicism, what we're looking, what we're wanting to experience is to be inspired. A lot of men can at the very least speak to the vision, the place that they know they want to be, right? Whether they're in a shitty relationship or they don't love their work, they're not connected to their purpose. I mean, even men that are making lots of money can still get caught in cynicism and feel uninspired, have a hard time enjoying what it is they're actually experiencing, can even feel trapped by the experience. Yeah, and I think that there's that age old notion that without
1: vision, the people will perish. And if you're a man that's listening to this, and you're starting to think about at the end of the year is this beautiful time where people get to be more reflective about the year that they've had. But even more importantly, about the the next year of their life is that without vision, the people will perish without a vision for the way that you want 2024 to be. That is different than the way that it has been in the past. It's likely that it will essentially be a, a repeat that you will essentially do what you've been doing. And so having an inspired vision about, well, what would it look like if I would spend the next 12 months of my life surrounding myself with, with people that would support me having in a vision that I really wanted to step into, how might your life be different 12 months from now? What would you be at the end of 2024 and look back and say, man, that was worth it that was worth it. Stepping into, and we talk about this, what's your vision for surrounding yourself with a brotherhood? What's your vision for stepping into a purpose that matters to you? What's your vision for the relationship that you're in or the relationship that you hope to be in? What's your vision for the family being the father that you want to be? What's the vision that you have for the powerful practices that if you were to develop just one powerful practice over the next 12 months of your life, that things would be different, that you would be on a different
0: trajectory? Fantastic. So the second step in going, shifting from cynicism to inspired is once we've get some clarity around creating in our inspired vision, the next is elevating your thoughts. I mean, that's the first thing that rushes in the face of a dream in the face of a, of a, well, I, I want to have an amazing relationship with my partner. or, or I want to make more money doing what I really care about. Well, the first thing that then tends to rush right in are the old negative thought patterns that we've been thinking for probably decades. I'm not good enough. I mean, we worked with a guy last year, whose one of his core beliefs sounded like this. I'm a piece of shit. Those aren't my words. Those were his words. I am a piece of shit. Talk about cynicism. And I, I say that with great compassion, not criticism of him. I mean, so many of us men are carrying, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't know how to do it. And so this step elevate your thoughts is the beginning of mindset work. That's right.
1: And what we know to be true is that, you know, these numbers and statistics may change, but the essence of which I think men really get that. Let's assume that we have about 50,000 thoughts a day, and that's many studies say more or less, but let's just say you have 50,000 thoughts a day. What we also know to be true is that approximately 80% of your thoughts are negative and 95% of them are repetitive. So if you're having the same negative conversations about yourself, about your partner, about your work, about your finances, about the president, about politics, if you have this inspired vision about this is how I want my future to be, this is the way that I want the next year of my life to be, but you're rooted in 80% of your thoughts being negative and 95% of them repetitive. If you don't develop the skill of elevating your thoughts,
0: there's no way to powerfully step into the future that you really desire. And I think this is something that we do really well. We, in our work, we do mindset work well. It's some of the most powerful work I've ever done personally. I love seeing men shift the thoughts that are weighing us down, weighing them down to just in a moment, to be, it's like in a moment, you can be living in a new paradigm where all of a sudden things are possible again. That, and again, inspired. That's what inspiration is. It's like things are possible again, whereas in, in a cynical mindset, nothing is possible. Okay. Step three. Now we're in the domain of isolation that we experience. Now remember, we want to shift feeling isolated to being deeply supported. Well, step three on this journey, then, in this domain, is courageous vulnerability. The practice, the task of being courageously vulnerable. Now, this is where we start to, and we need a place. We need places to be courageously vulnerable. A lot of us men, we don't have safe places where we get to really share. I mean, like like Tate, you telling the story about the banana seat, you know, girls' bike. You didn't feel safe for so many years to just share that silly little detail of of a story. And yet, I mean, this is the this is where most men are living. And if we can't be courageously vulnerable and share the burdens on our heart, the sadnesses, the heaviness that we're all carrying in some domain of our lives. How the hell are we going to get over our feelings of isolation?
1: And we've been taught as men that vulnerability equals weakness we've been that that message has been drilled into us and we need to learn the skill of of being courageously vulnerable in ways that don't leave us feeling weak or needy or less of as a man and the only way to do that is in the container of other men that understand that courageous vulnerability is the pathway to power that without courageous vulnerability, there is no connection to people and to things that really matter to you. If you're in a relationship and you don't have the skill of being courageously vulnerable, there is no opportunity for deep connection there. If you're inside of a group of men and you're not able to be courageously vulnerable, there is no way for you to be deeply supported because nobody really knows what you're dealing with, nobody really knows what you're handling. I mean, I. We'll never forget I've had a relationship with a, a dear friend of mine for since college. So for 30 years, essentially, and I remember kind of meeting with him on a regular basis. This was right before the pandemic and him sharing with me, at, you know, at a coffee one day. Yeah, I've been suicidal for the last 18 months. I mean, I was devastated by that in in two ways. One is that somehow or another, what hadn't I done to really create the safe space for him to be able to share what was actually going on for him? But secondarily, that he had to be holding that for, for the last 18 months without getting the support that he needed. And inside of that, he became closer and closer to actually taking his own life because he hadn't known how to actually be courageously vulnerable about that. And, you know, it it was not me, but his willingness to do that really, that started opening up his world to allow him to actually start really living into
0: a life where he didn't have to hold that burden by himself. And I mean, think about it too, that the, if we're holding on to so much inside of our system, our thoughts, our body, if we're holding on because we got nowhere else we can take it and share it and no one to help bear that burden, how the hell are we going to achieve an inspired vision? Like we're being weighed down like an anchor by all that heaviness. That's why courageous vulnerability is step three. And it is essential for us to begin to overcome our feelings of isolation. Now, step four is ah, and see, boy, this is a good one. Choose to be accountable. Accountability. Now, look, sometimes we're not ready to change certain things. There are certain things that we don't want to be accountable around because maybe we're just not ready. I mean, again i think you go into the realm of addiction and we, you know we're and we're all we're human we're all doing something in our lives that we know would serve us to stop doing <laughs> and the truth
1: is that for most men accountability has meant that they were going to get beat up not necessarily physically but they were going to be punished for what it is that they've been holding what it is that they've been doing or haven't been doing right And so choosing to be accountable, we we have a a different kind of framework than, hey, we're going to beat you up because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. We have four things that we really set forth as opportunities for men, and that is for them to be witnessed, just for other men to know what it is that they're holding. Two is to be supported. Hey, listen, I've held that thing that you're holding. And these are two or three things that I did that helped me. You don't have to do any of them, but if you want to, here's a few options for you. Then we need the, Matt, we've talked about this, the masculine rises in the face of challenge. We need in a safe container to have men say, hey, listen, are you open to being challenged about this? Because I've got something that I really wanna share with you. You know, Tate, you've been talking about this three or four different times, and I'm not sure that you've really taken some action on that. Is there something that I can do to make sure that this time that you're talking about it, you're actually going to do something about it? That's a challenge, and I need to be challenged always respectfully, but I need to be challenged as a man in the world. I'm more likely to step into my greatness if I am. And then that fourth thing that we've talked about before, but it's the hardest of all four for me. And that is to actually celebrate, to be celebrated. I have a tendency to minimize the success that I have. Oh, it wasn't that big of a deal or, oh, you know, I'm just turning 50. It's not that big of accomplishment. I like, how do we, as men start celebrating the small wins that we have? We've many men feel dead inside. And part of that is because we're not actually celebrating the small victories that we have along the way. So how do we be witnessed, supported, challenged, and celebrated When men choose to be held accountable, they are supported in ways that they can't actually otherwise step into the vision that they created for themselves originally.
0: And when we don't do this work with other men, we tend to put the burden on our relationships, our intimate relationships, right? We tend to then maybe not consciously or intentionally, but then it's our woman, it's our intimate partner that then feels like instinctively the weight, the burden, she's the one that then has to hold you accountable or ensure that you're accountable or, and that can look like nagging that can look like her own shutdown. It can look like all kinds of things. It's not her fucking job to hold us accountable. That's our job.
1: And we don't want our partners to be the ones that are holding us accountable, but we put them in that position if we don't have men, other men in our lives there to really support us. Women are holding their own things and men are holding our things. And it's really men supporting men that allow people to feel support in ways that the otherwise it's impossible to.
0: Okay, great. Now moving on step five. Now this is lives in the land of numbness. How do we overcome numbness by, and we said earlier by becoming present. Well, step number five, confront your reality, confront your reality. What do we mean by that? That means all kinds of things really, but it's a deep dive into being intimate with what actually is in your psyche, in your, you know, from your traumas and wounds from the father wounds to the mother wounds to just what emotions are you experiencing in your body? What feelings do you have? Is there grief? there that is unmetabolized. But one of my teachers, Francis Weller says, grief unmetabolized becomes bitter. Unmetabolized becomes bitter, right? I mean, this plays back into the cynicism men. There's so much for us to grieve. There's so many feelings that we've been bypassing for so long. Confront your reality is like, again, getting really present with what
1: is, yeah, yeah, the the term that I uh, really resonates for me here is this is the time to take real inventory. I, I have this tendency to once I have an awareness of something, I immediately want to turn into action, awareness action, awareness action. But the missing piece of the puzzle for me often is really taking an inventory of of what is at stake. So let's say, you know, one of the things that's really important to me is I want to step into being the father that my kids need me to be. Well, part of me confronting my reality is taking inventory about the ways that I am showing up as a father and the ways that I'm not showing up as a father and having the right inventory around that so that I can say, I need to continue doing these things. But these are some things that I really need to take address, because if I don't, I'll never be able to do that taking inventory is looking at the reality of the situation and really making a decision. If nothing changes, what is likely to happen and what is possible to happen if I am willing to actually do something
0: about it. Beautiful. Step number six, commit to fully showing up.
1: This is my favorite one.
0: You know, I do believe that the two
1: greatest challenges that exist for us as men are to powerfully show up and to speak up most of us men have a tendency to show up and then stop showing up. We show up at work and then we stop showing up. We show up on our relationships and then we stop showing up. We show up as a parent and then we stop showing up. And when we show up and stop showing up over and over again, what happens is that the people in our lives that, that matter to us the most, and that love us the most start to wonder whether or not we are count on And so learning how, and the reason why this is my favorite one is because I'm a master at the show. all or nothing. I'm all in and I'm all out. I'm all in and I'm all out. And so the depth of my work is really learning how to show up and stay showing up so that people know that I'm count And when I'm showing up and I stay showing up, I begin to be present to my world in a way that really starts to enliven me. Well, the problem of course, is once we show up, If we don't learn also how to powerfully speak up, then eventually I will stop showing up because the man who shows up but doesn't speak up doesn't find his place and he backs out. Now, many men come to this again at an all or nothing approach. Either they're saying nothing and they need to find the right balance to be speaking up. And there's other men that are speaking up in ways that are really dominating the people in their lives and really shutting people out or shutting people down. And those are men that need to powerfully speak up, but do it in a way that it's more honoring of the people that are in life, in their life. So showing up fully is about those two things, showing up and speaking up.
0: And again, this is in the land of being present. And so committing to fully showing up, I think a lot of us Men, we like in relationships, we we will show up for the good stuff. We'll show up for the sex. We'll show up for the good feelings. We'll show up for the good times. But the moment things get uncomfortable or anger arises, we bounce. We're out. So committing to fully showing up means showing up for all of it. And that again, that is the way out of numbness. Okay. Step seven. Now this lives in the land of shifting from being disoriented or oriented around things that don't really matter to being deeply oriented around the things that do matter. And the first step here, which is step seven in our 10 step journey is discover what truly matters most to you. Discover what matters most. I think a lot of us humans, right? We tend to give the first part of our adulthood to the things that our families said matter our parents taught us matter usually you know just making money it tends to be survival based just you know don't fuck up your life right doing things that will keep us safe right that will keep us in the loving embrace of our parents or of society the culture around us nothing wrong with that that's so human and this for many men leads to a a lifetime of feeling deeply disoriented, disconnected from real purpose, because we're doing things, even succeeding at things that just don't fucking matter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I I was reflecting on the story that I I began with today is that This idea of looking good, that's a survival belief that I carried with me. That's what I thought mattered most. I needed to look good so I would smile when I walked by girls so that they wouldn't see the scar on my face but not realizing that living in a world where i just was putting up the appearance that everything was fine that's not what mattered most what mattered most is actually being straight about what was actually happening for me being able to be authentic and real and decide at that point in time what does matter to me you know some men become doctors because their family wanted them to become doctors and then they become doctors and they're totally unfulfilled by it fill in the blank it may not be a doctor but how do we really Let go of the hopes and dreams that other people have had for us and start stepping into the hopes and dreams that we have for ourselves.
0: And by the way, what matters most to us can also change and evolve over a lifetime. I mean, you know, Tate and I both were pushing 50. What matters most to me is so different in a way. I mean, at least how it expresses externally than what was happening for me when I was 20, right? And that's okay. That's healthy. It's healthy that evolve over a lifetime, but that's step number seven, discovering what matters most to you today, step eight is now when we discover what matters most step eight, commit to deep purpose, commit to deep purpose. What are we talking about? Well, again, what we just explored in step seven, many of us men, we all have some purpose that we're living for all of us i mean some men that purpose may sound like you know i met a man an extremely wealthy man on a a whitewater rafting trip i did last summer who runs a hedge fund and he funds schools like charter schools all over the world through his hedge fund this man wants to like you know save a billion children kind of thing (laughs) but you know what he doesn't want his own fucking child blew my mind he's with a woman who really wants to have a child and he's like woman don't you understand that we can save millions of children? And she's like, <laughs> I just want one fucking child. <laughs> but anyway, that's what purpose sounds like to him is saving lots of children through through funding schools around the world. And notice how that's also it's creating friction in his relationship. Bizarrely so, you know? Is that deep purpose? Well, that's you know, that's a conversation for another time. It's not for me or Tate to say if this man is committed to deep purpose or not. But a lot of us are committed to the purpose of just surviving, playing it safe, playing not to lose, not playing to win, but just playing not to lose in our life. Right. And that can look like all kinds of things. Again, my purpose is just to make money. My purpose is like Tate said, to look good or to not look bad. Perhaps we all have a purpose. The question, why are you alive? Everyone has an answer. It's a lot of us. Our answers are just not very enlivening.
1: This is a a threshold moment for many men, because if they are asked, if you're asked in this moment, you're listening to this podcast. And if I were to ask you, what has been the purpose of your life so far? If you don't have clarity about that, or if you're like me up until these threshold moments, it's really about surviving the life that I've had. It's about, oh, well, I need to you know get the house, the car, the boat, the kids, the things that I thought would have me be happy and, and fulfilled only to feel like it doesn't actually lead to that. If I'm going to ask you, what's been the purpose of your life so far? And you don't have clarity in, in a way that inspires you. Now is a time to develop a new understanding about what your purpose could be and begin to step deeply into that because that's a threshold moment. This might be a threshold moment for you where you really do want to step into a deep purpose so that the rest of your years are about thriving and not just surviving the life that you've created.
0: You know, I want to take this moment too, to share that. So I'm 49. I, I was in the military from 17 to 26 And I was an officer and I was going to grad school at the time. And so I just was learning a lot. I was studying human relations in grad school at the university of Oklahoma. And combining that with being in the military is big on mission statements, you know, vision statements, mission statements. I think that was part of some kind of, I don't know, corporate renaissance that was going on and how we did corporations back in the eighties and nineties, maybe. But anyway, I was 22, maybe, maybe a first lieutenant, second lieutenant in the Air Force. And I decided to to create a, a mission statement and a vision for my life. And I wanted to just share that. I wrote this back in 1994. I pulled it out. Or no, 1996. I pulled it out for this podcast tape because, again, I was 22, 23 years old. I had no fucking idea what my life was going to look like. I was an engineer you know, in the Air Force working on KC-135 aircraft. I was not enlivened by that work. It was my survival work. I just didn't know what else to do. It was what, you know, mom and dad, it was like, well, I can't pay for college. So let's let the air force pay for college. Okay. All right. And then, you know, now I'll serve in the air force for some time and all right. Survival. Just, I didn't know what else to do, right? Default, but something inside me, like there was a deep knowing that my life was to serve for something greater. And I tried to articulate it almost 30 years ago. And I'll just share this part. My mission statement, to continually strive for peace and understanding amongst my fellow humankind, to help facilitate within my ability and right, the awakening of minds and souls around me to the awareness that we are all scared, lonely, and in need of unconditional love, nothing less. Every day is an opportunity to learn more about myself and the world. It is my duty to practice love and understanding during that journey of learning. And to lose myself in service to others. Now, I I might write that a little differently today, but that to me, you know, I'm a North star. That's a North star. It is my North star. I wrote that almost 30 years ago, man. And although the texture of my work has changed so many times, I've done so many different kinds of projects. And I mean, man, I've lived a pretty eclectic professional life, but that thread, like that deep purpose, that North star has held me through so many, through everything that I've ever done. And and it's interesting when I've done things that are not really in service of that deep North star, it's painful. It's painful. And so, I mean, I think, you know, my life is my message. You know, Mahatma Gandhi said that my life is my message. And I think you know, I love my life. Things aren't perfect, but I have a great marriage. I'm doing work that I love. I'm making money. Well, look, dude, I get to work with my best friend of 40 years. Like shit is working. And I say it's because commitment to deep purpose has always been present in my thinking. I have not always lived up to it. I fail it every day, but because I have some clarity around it, I have deep clarity around it. I'm at least able to every day do some practice that brings me back, that orients me. Here we go. Coming back from disoriented to oriented. I feel deeply oriented and it makes all the difference. The thing that
1: you just said that really stands out to me is that when you are not in alignment, that's when you are most in pain. And so not every man is clear about what their purpose is, but I do believe that every man is intuitively connected, that if they're in pain and they're, they at least don't aren't feeling as oriented as they want to be, they are feeling it in their body. They are feeling it in their emotions. They are feeling it in the way in which they are unfulfilled in their life. It's not that they're bad and wrong about that. It just points to an opportunity that this might be a moment where purpose getting
0: oriented around their purpose would really begin to give them more freedom. Yeah. Great. Okay. Step number nine. Now we're in the realm of feeling powerless to feeling powerful.
1: There's a lot of men that we talk to that, that don't feel like they have the discipline that they want and need to give them the results that they want and need. And engaging in meaningful action, coupled with the committing to, fully showing up, right? This is why this is a pathway that that men who are really struggling or begin to implement actions that give them discipline towards meaningful action, not just actions for the sake of action, but meaningful actions, ones that are aligned with their purpose. That's what has them start getting out of feeling impotent in their life
0: into feeling powerful, meaningful action. Right. That's step number nine. You went in there guns blazing. I didn't say what the step was yet.
1: Step <laughs> I couldn't <nine>. help myself. <laughs> I know you're all
0: in man. You're exuberant. <laughs> I love it. Step number nine, engage in meaningful actions. That's right. That's right. We're all doing shit all day long. Even when we do nothing, we're doing something and I'm all for doing nothing. Sometimes, you know, not everything has to be meaningful every moment. I mean, we gotta have some fucking time off, engage in meaningful actions. You know, I have a daily practice that I call my daily wins. I've been doing this for years. I still do some version of it today. It's changed a little bit, but it's essentially four every day, four meaningful actions that do three things. One, that each of these actions, first off, they can be done today. It can be completed today. But the second thing, and this is really the most important, each of these four actions must advance a something that is deeply meaningful to me whether it's an action for my relationship an action for my business or my work or my personal health, it must advance, make progress on something that is deeply meaningful to me. And the third is that when I get to the end of the day, I'll feel good having done it. Those are the three requirements. And I choose no more than four or maybe five, you know, on a busy day, but that's it. It's not a long running to do list. It is four things. Like doing that every day, engaging in meaningful actions every day. Man, especially as entrepreneurs, it's so easy to work a lot and feel like I didn't get anything done. I wonder if, you know, maybe parents maybe can relate to that as well if you're not an entrepreneur, but it's just like your job is never done. And it's the adage of like, you know, the rocks in the jar that if we have a 20
1: things on our to-do list, we're putting a lot of pebbles in, but there aren't a lot of big rocks that are having us feel like man, that was meaningful. That mattered. I'm I'm enlivened at the end of the day because the things that matter to me most are getting handled. We have a tendency sometimes to deal with the urgent items that other people have put on our plate so that other people can let us know that we've done good, that we performed good. But then we leave ourselves out in that and meaningful action isn't being delivered on because we're not doing what
0: we say matters. And the final step, and I really love this one. Because it brings us into deep contact with the world. It is be present to your impact. I think there's a strain of masculine ideology out in the world right now. That's just like, be powerful and, you know, do what you will do. You have a dream, go fucking achieve it. That ideology fails to question, well, what is the impact of me doing the things that I'm doing? Am I truly serving my community? Or am I just serving my own self-aggrandizement, my own you know, looking good and big and great? And even on a
1: granular level, right? If I set forth some engaging and meaningful action, I'm doing three things for my wife today or three things for my kids today. And at the end of the day, I say it matters, but they don't. Then what am I really doing? I'm doing it for me, not for them. You know, it's that notion around like, I want. To love my wife in the way that she experiences my love, not the way in which I just can easily give it. And those two things are often at odds. To really love my wife is to do things that I may not be desiring to do, but would matter to her. To really be showing up for my kids so that my kids say, you showed up for me today. What you did mattered to me today. I can just go on for weeks, months, years at a time. Well, I provided for them. I provided for them as a man. Well, was that what they needed from you the most is for you to be putting food on the table? Well, of course, we need our basic needs met. They need our presence. They need us loving them in ways that matter to them. And even in the world, right? How do we use our mess to have a meaningful message in ways that matter to other people, not just something, an idea that we have about, well, I'm going to go do this. And I don't care if it really makes the impact. I say it makes an impact. And I think we need to think differently
0: about that. We see this a lot, particularly in the more successful men we work with, the men that are making really good money, even doing work they love. We've seen this multiple times where they start working with us. Their wives are miserable, or their relationships are completely disconnected, broken down, dysfunctional. They're not having sex or they're not being affectionate with each other, but all their basic needs are met they're going on maybe vacations. Like they, they have the homes, all the things, because to to this last point, we men are, when we're not present to our impact, we keep doing the things that actually aren't meaningful anymore. Right, Right. Right. They may have been at a time, but no longer. And again, that just contributes to us feeling powerless. So this is how we begin to feel powerful, engage in meaningful actions, and then be present to our impact and be willing to make adjustments. Well, this is where we start again now, right? That was step 10 and now we come back to, and I'm gonna run through these steps again because now we come back to the beginning, right? Be present to your impact. Well, if I'm not having the desired impact, okay, let's come back to step one, create an inspired vision. Step one. Two, elevate your thoughts. Three, courageous vulnerability. Be courageously vulnerable. Four, choose to be accountable get accountability. Five, confront your reality. Six, commit to fully showing up, speaking up and showing up. Seven, discover what matters most to you. Eight, commit to deep purpose. Nine, engage in meaningful actions. And 10, be present to your impact. So Tate, how do we land the plane here today?
1: Well, look. There are going to be some men that are inspired by this and and want to know more about what it would look like to work with you, work with us uh, in in some of our programs. If if you're that guy, then reach out to Brian and Brian. You could give them the the URLs and all
0: that stuff. Let's just put that here. We'll just say that right now, our Elevate 2024 uh, program. Now, at the time of this recording, we've already got six men committed out of 10 spots available, and we might have a a seventh, but in any case, we have three or four spots maximum left. The website is uh, brianreeves.com. That's Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Go check it out, learn about it. You can hear from other men, their stories in elevate there and apply ASAP.
1: For other men that, that maybe not doesn't speak to you or that's just not in the cars for you right now, I think the way to land the plane for you is to think about over the next 12 months of your life, how do you wanna become more fully enlivened? How do you wanna be powerfully on purpose? And how might you get more deeply supported? And my desire for you is for you just to have one takeaway. What is one thing that you're not doing now that if you started to do on a regular basis or that if you were to take action on today would make a meaningful difference and that would set you on a trajectory that a year from now, your life could begin to be transformed, that your relationships would be better, that you stepping into a father would make you a better, that, that you would be more powerful in the world of business. What is just one thing I, I love Jim quick's, you know, phraseology around shelf help. Think podcasts can often be shelf help. It goes in one ear and out the other, and you ultimately take no action on this. And for those of you inspired, take the action of reaching out to Brian and exploring doing work with him. And for others of you, take action today in your world. So this isn't just information in and out, and then you're on to the next podcast. Do something that matters. One of the things that we have a tendency to do in men's work is just to acquire more information, stay at the surface. And my challenge to you is to actually do something because it's in our actions that our lives are transformed, not in knowing something
0: to commit to that. Tate, I love doing this with you, man. I look forward to, to going even further on this journey with you and to having you more, uh, hopefully in the future on men this way, man, thank you so much. Such an honor, brother. Such an honor. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to my old friend, Tate Arendt. You can learn more about Elevate 2024, our year-long coaching adventure for men committed to thriving, at brianreeves.com elevate. Now remember, we're only inviting 10 men to this experience, and already six spots have been claimed. So we've only got four spots left, and we get new applications almost every day. It's not for everyone, but if you think it could be for you, learn more and apply now, at Brian Reeves, Brian with a Y, Reeves.com slash elevate. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed, and your thoughts inspired.